welcome back to another episode of Ales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And I am back with Tom Stanfield, CEO, global overlord of all things <laughs> virtual. Aren't global you? Global overlord. That sounds ominous and scary. <laughs> should be in and the Lord the way, of the Rings. I love how you drop your voice when you talk about those who help those who sell for a living. I love the way you punctuate that. It's very... They're more mature. You may be the overlord. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Well, this is this is actually uh, we don't do too many of these like two part series, but um, we've got yeah. we're in the second part of this whole idea of uh, virtual presentations, and so we're going to pick up where we left off the last time and talk about controlling the stage. But first, we have mm. to we have to do some social lubricating, not social distancing. We're going to lubricate our synaptic uh, region of our brain with some uh, cold and refreshment. I'm, uh, I'm going to have this thing called an Angelica Hazy IPA today. What um, the? Yeah. Tom, you Angelica remember- Angelica Hazy IPA. I bet the ABV is high on that puppy. Well, it's uh, five and a half. So last week I oh, had okay. that one that was like a 7.8. Oh. This, mm -hmm. this is a lot less than that, but it's from the same brewing company. I bought a value pack, Tom. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't get to the <laughs> liquor store very often, but- value. Lord Hobo's Brewing oh, Company. Times are tough. Delivered. Times are tough, Scott. You need a value. <laughs> it's so true. So, so Lord Hobo comes through again. He's out of, uh, where is the Lord from? He's from Woburn, Mass. Woburn. Um, That's near Peabody. Yes, near Peabody. I'm going to have this uh, Angelica Hazy IPA. What are you going to enjoy? What's in front of you? By the way, before I answer that question, I, I, would, I would have thought that the, the Southerner, knowing how to pronounce Peabody, as Peabody, you'd be impressed by that, but I failed miserably. No, no, totally impressed because no okay, one pronounces good, it good. that way. Yeah, yeah. No, they See, would say Peabody. From Atlanta. Yeah. Okay, I'm 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 going with another local beer. Okay, this is from Atlanta, Georgia, Scofflaw, which I think is pretty popular throughout the country. And again, because it's June and it's summer, I'm going with a citrusy blend here. I'm going with their Pog, which stands for passion fruit, orange, and guava. Now, Scott, the ABV on this puppy is 7.5. Good the, night. The, I, <laughs> the IBU is 45, and the SRM is 7. And I have no idea what that means, but I so, want our listeners to know that's those are other two numbers that I offer. I've never seen those, heard those. So those those that brew okay. for a living, maybe they they you know maybe <laughs> we should start to <laughs> maybe I got to adjust. They probably the... are listening to a diff different podcast. But <laughs> those, those who sell for a living, home, yeah. <laughs> those who drink, I'm those who drink for a living, not <laughs> brew for a living. Yeah. So for those who are keeping score, 7.5, 45, and 7. That's nice. The score on the that, that's a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's something. That's that what is that something is. else right there. It's very delicious. It's very delicious. Excellent. Well, enjoy that, and let's talk. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about this, this let's idea. Let's catch of, up. Let's talk. Let's do it. Let's just, just mm -hmm. sit down and have a beer together and talk about this. Because, you know, it, we, in the last session, we talked about the foundation of, uh, of this, you know, this idea of the virtual presentation. When you get to that finals presentation, how do you lay it all out? This week, we kind of, we want to move over to controlling the stage. And then before we get into the actual disciplines involved there, I wanted to ask you, you know, you have this, this analogy of controlling the stage and you talk about singing and and you use great word pictures to establish that. And I just would love to hear 
you know, what were the inspiration was uh, behind, you know, that, that word picture and that whole, that whole concept of controlling the stage. Yeah, of controlling the stage. I think it was the easiest way to talk about or get people to think about that there is a stage mm. and that you're asking to, they're asking you to perform and too often sellers will just say yes to whatever the decision-making team asked them to do. So, for example, and maybe because my two of my children are in, are in the music business, maybe yeah. where it came from. But, you know, if someone says, hey, I want to evaluate your, your performance, and they say, but I don't want you to have a microphone, and I don't want you to have your band. I just want you to sing in a room and tape it and send it to me. And <laughs> sellers, when asked to do something that ridiculous, will say yes. And that's, that's, they should say no. They say, look, if you want to evaluate, if you want to hire my band or evaluate my performance, I need my band uh, and I, I need, you know, I need a mic and I need to set it up this way. And, and so, cause, cause I want to make sure that you can not selfishly cause I want to win, but cause I want to make sure you can evaluate my performance. Yeah. So too often people start off with a guaranteed lose because they don't control the stage. And I think one of my passions around this is because and we talked about this on the last podcast is people are afraid of the customer, right? You know, they, they, the customer, they're afraid to tick off the customer. The customer's driving, the customer's telling them what they want. And they're just, they're so excited about pursuing something. They'll just say yes. Um, and I realized, and I was lucky, I realized very early in my selling career that you can actually say no to the customer. Right. And this is it's sort of, this was kind of, um, I was in a situation, it was a, it was an important opportunity and, I said no, and it worked out really well. And I'm like, okay, so that I just learned something. Right. Yeah. Well, and what did we touch on last time? We said you, you, you used the analogy from the King's speech about being afraid mm -hmm. of the King, but then we, we talked about that confidence, right? So it's, it's mm -hmm. controlling the stage is about the confidence in your expertise as the seller who does this hundreds of times a year to the, to the customer who might do it once or twice in their career or once or twice every few yeah. years, right? It's just, it, it's a totally different. And if you're not the one leading, you're doing both yourself and your customer a disservice. And so mm -hmm. let's talk about this idea of controlling the stage because I love, again, just, just fabulous blog on this with all of the structure that, that our listeners can, can learn from, but you give structure to this idea of how, um, you know, there's five determinations that you need to make to actually control the stage. So with your permission, I'd like to just go through all five and just yeah, help people sure. kind of lay out, um, you know, what they need to do to determine, you know, the, the five different things that allow them to control the stage. So why don't we start with number one? We've got determining the information required. What does that mean? Well, if you, you know, I use this, this analogy on the last, the last podcast is if someone says sell a car, mm -hmm. the first question you're going to ask if you, if you know how to sell is you're going to say to who? And too often we're asked to sell something and we have very little information because we maybe came in late in the process or maybe we just didn't ask the right question at the beginning, but we're not sure what's important to the listener. We're not sure what the decision drivers are. We're not sure what problem we're trying to solve. We don't know what, what's the impact of the problem we're trying to solve. We don't know who's involved. It, there's just a lot of information we have to have. And, and I, I kind of going back to what I learned early in my career I was in a situation where it was at the beginning of the process. It was a division of GM, and it was a large opportunity. And they started off by saying, 
we're going to have 10 companies come in and present for 30 minutes, which I thought was fine. That was a mm. get to know you. And then, you know, there, I just assumed this was 20 something years ago. And I just assumed that they would say then, well, okay, well of the 10, we'll pick the three and, and then I'll get to make a real presentation. Mm-hmm. And a big, big problem there is I made the assumption that that yep. happened. I didn't control the stage. I just assumed I just did what they told me to do. Well, then I heard later, well, you came in second. I came in second. I didn't know anything about what you were trying to accomplish. I don't know who the decision makers are. I don't know what the decision drivers are. And you just chose another firm and you chose me a second. How? And basically <laughs> I came to learn yeah. that the, the other incumbent who had chosen previously when the, you know, they'd already chosen a firm, the deal, the, the, the initiative got canceled. They reunited it and they had already basically decided they were going to choose that firm again. And it was all a waste of time, but I just did what they told me to do. Well, then they, Turns out they went to the the president and the CFO, I guess I can't remember the exact titles, and said, "Okay, we've 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 chosen our firm." And they said, "Well, we want to meet with the top two. Mm-hmm. And and they were like, "Oh, okay, so you want to meet with the top two? Yes." And, and so they came back to me and said, "Well, you need to present to the president." And I said, "Well." great but i'm not going to do that unless i i need to know more information about this deal i've never i don't know anything and they said no <laughs> we're not going to give you any more information so i said well then i'm not going to present <laughs> i'm going to take my ball and go home i just <laughs> yeah i'm not doing it i said because i can't present to right. people i don't know anything you never allowed me to get to know your organization i don't know what the problem we're solving i don't know what the decision drivers are I know you're interested in my solution and that's all I know. And I'm not going to stand in front of your executive team and make a fool out of myself because I can't help you if I don't have this information. And they said, Oh, okay, well let us think what we're going to do. Well, it turns out they, they, they went back and they said, okay, we will let you have access to these people. So I, I interviewed them. I got the information I wanted. I came in and presented and I won the deal. Wow. And so that, that's where I learned you need certain information and you need to control the stage if you want to win. Yep. Yep. So determination number one is, you know, you've got to determine what info you can and can't live without, right? And and yeah. what's required for you to, I don't know, put your best foot forward, right? If you don't feel like you can do that, that's gate number one in deciding whether <laughs> you actually want yeah. to play in this reindeer game, right? Exactly. Okay. So let's move on to number two, time. What sort of time is required? What does that mean? Well, if, if they're going to evaluate your solution and let's, does it, does it matter? You know, there's definitely ranges of, of what that investment might be, but mm-hmm. if they're going to evaluate your solution, they need to know the time required to actually evaluate. And so the best way to start is to figure out what is it that they want to assess or what do they need to assess? And then, and then that's, it's an important point figure out the time required for them to determine if your solution can solve the problem they want to solve. What most sellers do is they say, well, how much time will I have? And they'll say, we'll give you an hour. And they say, great, I'll take it. Versus what do you want to accomplish? Yeah. And when you start with what do you want to accomplish? And then you tell them how they need to, or the process needed and the time needed to accomplish what they want to accomplish. That will then determine the time required. And you need to dictate um, again, how much time is required. And so that can sometimes be a battle because a lot of times you're working with someone who's just 
organizing the meeting and doesn't really isn't the driver but that's where you have to be really clear about if you want to assess this and you really want to determine the right solution you need to spend time doing the following things again this isn't about you it's about them and that will tell you the time required and then fight for that time and it's interesting because time you know can mean a lot of things it's the time that you're asking for that you need to to fully uh, you know, unpack this, this solution that you've, you're going to, uh, to, to provide for them. But there's preparation time to even get to that point, which they may not even be considering to your point about the information you need to get. There's time involved. I need to interview these people. I need to... And so this, this idea of making sure you are playing your pedigree, playing the fact that you do this all the time and you want the best for your customer being other centered and saying, because you want to make the right decision, I want to help you do that. We're, it's going to require some time to do that. And so, you know, 30 minutes to present this is just not you're going to, going to help you time. make that I'm decision. You're going to waste your time. That's right. Exactly. It's going to be a waste. Good. Another Good. A, a way to bring that to life is, is, is talk about our solution that we sell. So a lot of times companies are wanting to evaluate our quote unquote training program. And what they want is they want to drive change. But what they asked is they said, hey, we want to evaluate your, your program related to sell, teaching our sellers how to do X, Y, Z. Great. Mm -hmm. That's what you want. Well, the reality is if 50%, this is what I might say. Well, the reality is 50% of the success of this project is not just the program. It's about developing your leaders. It's also about, um, it's about meeting the people that you're going to work with you. It's also about how we're going to customize the program specifically. So if you want to evaluate all those, here's what's going to have to happen for you to do that. You need to meet the team. You need to understand our process. You need to see how we customize. You need to look at our leadership program. You need to look at how we serve. So you start unpacking that. And they'll say, oh, I didn't know it was that complicated. <laughs> right. Well, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Because our goal is to solve this problem. That's all we do. So if you want to. Again, it's about leading. If you want to evaluate us, this is what needs to, needs to require. And here's what you'll learn. You'll either learn that they don't care and therefore you're not going to win because they've already picked somebody or they're That's going right. to care or they do care and they'll change. Either way, you win. You either don't waste your time or you, um, you, know, you can lead them in the right direction. And I, lo and I love the word choices you use there of we're – you know, the solution that we're trying to come up with to solve your problem. It's not about yeah. selling something at that point. It's about, you know, I, I think there's always this, especially the way we teach this and the way we, that we approach selling is about, you know, problem solving. And I think if you're approaching it from that, if you've got the right level of people, they're going to understand that. And if they don't, if you don't have the right level of people, your chances of winning are, are so low that it may not be worth the engagement and, and the time waste, right? So exactly right. And I love that you're you're highlighting the 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 motive behind taking these strong stances. Yeah. If the the motive is always about helping the customer make the best decision, not sell your solution. If that's your motive and the intent behind what you're recommending, that will come through. Mm -hmm. You know, you're gonna be able to tell them, hey, this is why I'm recommending this. And if you can if you've thought through that, and that is that is a genuine motive, you'll be able to articulate why it's in their best interest to follow your recommendation. If it's just kind of like, hey, I, don't, I want you to do this because I won't win if I don't get you to do this, the recommendation is going to fall flat. That's right. Right. And there's not enough scope in the world to 
kind of clean up that commission breath. So you, mm -hmm. you <laughs> so, so, all right. Well, that's a good segue though, from time to who. So determine who is required. What are you talking about in terms of the who? I've never won an opportunity if the decision maker wasn't in the room. Yeah. That's a strong statement for 25. I, I thought about that prior to, to, to talking to you about this. Yeah. Um, I, that is a true statement. Yeah. Um, the decision maker has to be in the room for you to win. And we can talk for hours about who the decision maker is, but ultimately the decision maker is the person who really determines what will happen. They're mm -hmm. the ones, it's the person who has the most power, not, not the highest rank, but the most power related to making a decision about the solution being offered. And if that person isn't in the room, the other people aren't going to be able to sell them. You know, it's kind of like the, the, the analogy I think I, I wrote about in this latest, latest article I said, just assume that you went up to somebody, a stranger, and you said, hey, uh, I'm going to tell you about my really compli complicated solution that really would take you a long time to learn and understand. It took me about four or five or six months to learn it myself before I could present it. But I'm going to spend about an hour and a half with you and tell you about it so that you can go sell somebody else. That's ridiculous to think <laughs> that that would work. But that's what we do. Yeah. I'm going to tell you guys about something you really don't understand. And you, by the way, you're going to get five other people to tell you the same thing. And I want you to represent me to the decision maker. Okay. You guys all agree. Great. That's going to work. No, it's not. <laughs> so if, no, <laughs> it won't. So they have to be in the room. Now they yeah. don't have to be in the room at every presentation, but they got to be in the room for one of them. And yeah. hopefully the final. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point. I was just thinking about even before you told that story, like, think about that. You, you do this again, hundreds of times a year, and you're going mm -hmm. to rely on your ability to sell someone who has no knowledge <laughs> to play the telephone game with their boss or their yeah. decision maker well to sell for you. It's like, what? That doesn't make any sense. So no, I think that's, that's really important. Um, and, and again, this all comes back to choosing you know, when to engage and when not to. Your most precious commodity is your time. If you're wasting mm -hmm. two hours every week on something like this, you're not selling somewhere else. And, and exactly. so I think you've got you've to make these determinations. And that's number three, the who. What about the why? So determining the why. What do you mean by the why? Well, the, determining the why, and we I touched on this earlier, is everything you want to communicate to the customer needs to communicate why it's in their best interest to embrace your recommendation. So let's just talk about the decision maker. Let's say, and again, I, I want to make sure that everybody who's listening to this knows that I know this isn't easy. I know that you're put in these situations where you've worked really hard to get in the door. You finally got the meeting. It's finally an opportunity, and you need to hit your number, and all of a sudden you've got this presentation, and then you, you really want to put a halt on the process because maybe the right person's not in the room or you don't have a lot of time but ultimately it's unfortunate it it just has to happen you have to have these you have to have the time you have to have the information and the people have to be in the room so why do you want to for example tell them it's it's in their best interest to have the decision maker in the room and so one of the things that i say is because for this to move forward because ultimately you want this to happen and you want change to occur or you want to solve this problem. And if you don't have the backing of the people that are sitting in that seat, it's going to fail. Mm -hmm. and, and if you're the one that's deciding, for example, on what, to ha what needs to happen and then you don't have the backing of the people, then ultimately that's going to fall on you. Yeah. So because I've done this many times, I can give you multiple examples of why if these people aren't involved, they're not going to support what needs to happen 
on the ground or how this initiative needs to go forward or however you want to unpack that. Yep. If you yep. need more time, you need to communicate why it's in their best interest to give you more time. Yep. You know, like, uh, you know, stupid example is we have, we've got water in our crawl space, mm-hmm. right? So I've been interviewing people about how to fix that. I have no idea how to fix that problem or who's the best solution provider, but everybody's following my lead as to what I ask and say and do and tell them to do. What they should do is say, look, if you really want to evaluate, here's the four things you need to look at. Here's what you need to do. Here's what we need to do to evaluate that. And, um, you know, here's what it's going to cost. And here are the steps. Here's who needs to be involved. I mean, they need to drive that because I don't have a clue. Right. Right. But they're just all doing what I tell them to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what they should do is they should drive. They should lead the process. They should tell me what needs to happen. And, and, and if they did, you know what I would do? I'd say, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're the expert. I mean, that I sounds think good. That when you, sounds when, good. when you make that phone call to fix the water in your crawl space, you're looking for an expert and you expect right. in some ways, you know, I guess we've been conditioned that, that sales reps will do whatever it takes to get the sale. And I think what we're trying to say is that's, that's, that's not the approach that works in the 90, mm-hmm. you know, in the 90% <laughs> range. The approach that works yeah. is leading and using your expertise and letting your pedigree shine through by, you know, making sure that you understand and tie that why back to everything. And that, and I love that, you know, in a lot of your writing, you talk about those two words that if you start with those two words, people listen, because you said, because you, because you like, because you have this problem, you know, here's, here's what we can do about that. Or here's what mm-hmm. we would because recommend. You want to evaluate this or because you need to know this or because you, yeah, exactly. If you could exactly. start your sentence with, because you, it's a great point. Yeah. Then you, you are, you've thought through the why. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and if you're unsure of the why, because people like me or, or your leadership team is telling you to do some, do something, stop. Yeah. That's your first assignment. It's just, just to, it's for you to figure out why it's in their best interest to do the things that we're talking about doing. Because once you land there, then you will have that confidence. Confidence comes from the word to know. I don't remember the Latin word, but it kind of mm. the root is to know. Our confidence comes from being because you know it's true. And mm. the reason that I'm so confident is because I've seen it done poorly so many times. And I'm going, right. I'm, I am convinced if you do this, it will have this outcome because I have seen it. And if you're new in your career and you haven't seen it, you've got to pursue that information, whether you talk to existing customers, talk to other reps, talk to other leaders. You've got to get to the point where you know they're going to fail if they don't follow the process. Not because you're going to lose, but because they're going to fail. And that's, a, that's, that's, what, that's what centers you in on that why. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and so we – you know, we've covered the first four and we've touched on this fifth one, mm-hmm. I think on every one of the other four, which is determine yeah, right. when, when to say no, right? I mean, th- that is so critical. I think in each of the other areas, we said there might be a point where you go, all right, well, then I'm not playing. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't think I can help you given what information I have, given who's in the room, given the time constraints you've placed, or given the fact that I don't know why we're doing this the word no may have to come out of a sales rep's mouth. And that feels very uncomfortable to many. I think that feels very, and that's the reason I added, I added it on the list because I, I just wanted to bring it all together Yeah. by helping 
you know, a seller think through? When do I actually say no? Because we, we've told them, here's what you need. But there's times where you don't get that. And right. that's, that's real. Like, it's just you don't have enough information. You don't have enough time. Um, maybe the right person is in the room. But when do I actually say, I'm going to put a stake in the ground and I'm going to walk away? I'm yeah. actually going to say no. Yeah. And the two questions I always ask myself is, do I know I'm definitely going to lose? Am I definitely going to lose if I don't have the information or I don't have the time, for example, or the right person's on the room? Or I know that the, the, the customer is going to make a catastrophic decision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, an example that comes to mind is that we had this large global company come to us and they had just created this new department that was looking for a content pr- training programs for their sales organization. They'd never done this before. Mm-hmm. They had five different divisions. It's a newly created department who, and the people that in that department had never done this before. And it was just, it was appointed by the CEO and they said, we want to do this. We want to create a university and we want to go out and try to find a, a training partner. And they created an RFP and, so we responded, which happens, and that's going to happen, you know, as a way to get in the door. We responded to the RP, didn't know the company. They found us. And so now that we've, we've been cho- chosen as one of the, I guess, three to present out of our RFP response. Mm-hmm. And this is where you're in trouble because you're kind of down the line a little bit. They've already decided what the decision-making process was, is you're not – you don't know anybody and all of a sudden you're finding out about this process because they finally said, all right, we want to talk to you because you responded and we like you. And I know a lot of you listening to this have probably been in that situation. So I have them meeting with what I call the evaluator. It's the person who's kind of responsible to make it happen, but not the person who ultimately determines what happens. And so, and, and they're asking us to go to the next step, which is fly to, you know, another state. I think it was Chicago and present and spend all this time and, put the team together and make our presentation. Um, uh, and so actually that's not true. I just, I, so I thought about, it. I, I was just, I think I was, now that I just remembered this, actually, Scott, I told this wrong. They were, we had initial meeting to talk about responding to the RP. That's what it was, yep. not make a presentation. I think I remember so when that. I talked yeah. to her, that was, it was, it was, that's what it was. Sorry, this was a while ago. And when she had the initial meeting to respond to the RP. She told us what her process was, which was, uh, I just, we're just going to get these responses and then we're going to make our decision. I said, so you're going to make a decision based on just (laughs) reading our response to an RFP and you're not going to have any presentations. And she said, yes. I said, (laughs) well, then we're out. Yeah. (laughs) And, And from that conversation, she then, I said, then I just basically explained to her here's why you need to meet with the firm. And I said, whether you choose us or you choose somebody else for you to evaluate this, this is just true. You need to meet the team. You need to see the content. You need to, I mean, I, I use a restaurant analogy a lot. Of yeah. Times. I love this. Everybody's analogy. menu at a restaurant looks the same. Yeah. I said, and if you're going to make a menu decision, you're going to make a bad decision. You need to taste the food. Yeah. Or you're not going to know anything about the restaurant yeah. and you need to meet the chef. So, that's, that's kind of what I basically said to her. And she, she said, okay, I'll, I'll change our process. And we were able to make the presentation. We won. The rest is history. But the point of all that, that story is, although poorly told, <laughs> is that <laughs> I said no, as I did with the division of GM, and it worked out. 
<laughs> and actually, I don't think it's ever, I, I can't think of a time where it didn't work out. Right. And again, right. it's about positioning and it's about positioning the no. And it's also about saying, um, here's why it's no, not, no, I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to win. It's no, I'm not going to do it because it's not in your best interest. Yeah. And it's not, I'm taking that. my ball and going home because I don't like the rules. Right. It's, it's, I'm well, worried yeah. you're just going to make a bad decision based on the process. And I've seen mm-hmm. success and I've seen failure in this many times in my career. And I just want to make sure you, you set yourself up with the best chance to succeed, whether we're the winner or not. That's, that's exactly. a, a transparent, um, you know, way to, to sort of couch it. And people, you know, m- some people might think you're kind of full of it and others will be like really appreciative, won't they? So it's, it's, it's um, I think the key of not, coming across as is is with an ego is that you're not talking about you. I think every time I can remind myself not to talk about me or my solution, but Mm -hmm. talk about here's the best way to figure out how and fix the water in your crawl space problem, whether you, and I always like to say this or think this, whether you work with me or somebody else, this is just truth. These are the things that – this is how you solve this problem, and this is what you need to know, and these are the people. This is what the companies need to be able to do to solve this problem. And so when you're talking that way, like one of the things I said to, the, to this client who wanted us to just respond to the RP and never make a presentation, as I said, 50% of the success of this project is due to the people who are going to deliver it. Mm-hmm. You need to meet the people, whether it's us or these people are going to stand in front of the most verbal people in the company. They're going to stand in front of your sales reps. And if they blow it and they don't know what they're doing and they, they don't have credibility, they're all going to look at you and blame you for that. Yeah. And you could tell, you could see, even though it was over the phone, you could see the fear in her eyes because that's true. I've seen that. Yeah. I mean, you're throwing a party and everybody's invited. And if it doesn't go well, they're going to go, well, that was an awful party. And Sharon <laughs> put it on. Did you not try this food from this caterer before you put it in yeah, front of all right. of us? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, we're mixing a lot of metaphors, but yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah, that's exactly right. I think and the metaphors do improve with, with the time uh, or the amount of beer consumed. I think that's what exactly. happens. Get a little I think it's because I got 45, whatever that number was. Yeah, 45 that's SBU. That's why, I, that's why I couldn't tell that story very well. <laughs> well, you have 7.8 alcohol by volume coursing through yeah. your veins at this point. So that'll do it. Um, you know, one word I wrote down as we were going through this that I think, um, you know, we kind of use in sales from time to time is just this idea of discipline, right? So you've mm. given us a structure. You gave us a framework last week on the podcast of, of your recommendation and your, and your, you know, sharing of truths and your teasing your solution. You gave us sort of a step-by-step process this week. You've told us about you know, these five determinations you need to make. And one of those things that, that you might need to say is like, I, this doesn't feel right. I'm, I may need to walk away from this. And sometimes that will work in your favor. And sometimes you will just walk away. But this idea of this discipline, this structure, this process that you can follow based on all of your years of experience, I think, I think mm-hmm. that's the collective you. That's you people out there that sell for a living, have expertise, and you are looked to by your customers to provide that. So I think it's of critical I importance to that. show that, that discipline, right? And I think, I think the, the, the one thing I would also remind people, of, when they're in the position where, think of it this way, you're in the position of choosing who you want to serve, all of a sudden you look different than everybody else. Yeah. Right. You think about a doctor who's like, oh, I hope I can work with you. Please let me do your knee surgery. 
Like, yeah. You're like, I don't know about that doctor. It's like yeah. the doctor's the one that drives. Here's what we do. This is how we do it. If you want to do it, this is what we do. If you don't, then go screw your knee up somewhere else because I ain't yeah. screwing your knee up. It's like that puts you in a position of, of authority, which makes them comfortable. So when you say no, if you have to, that scares them. Right. They're like, this person's so good, they're going to walk away. A lot of times I'll say, like, why? There's some attorneys that win 100% of their cases. It's because they only work on the cases they can win. And that's what you want to do. You want to figure out if you can't win or the customer is going to have a catastrophic outcome because they have a bad process, you don't want to be part of either one of those scenarios. Yeah. So really good point. That should give you the confidence. And the reps that aren't willing to say no or the reps that have never tried it. Yep. Well, that's a great point. And so we've been talking about how to deliver the perfect virtual presentation. There's going to be three parts of that blog that'll be available. Uh, two are already up. So go, go uh, look at those on our website uh, under the blog category in the upper right from our homepage. Tom, you've done a great job of sort of giving us structure and framework for, for folks to learn. I think uh, something else that might be of interest to the group is to, uh, to learn how we incorporate all this into that new virtual selling skills program that sort of was born in the last three or four months out of the out of the pandemic that you've spent a ton of time putting together and all those years of uh, experience are, are sort of poured into that and it's it's probably not it's it's probably worth noting that you know because you began the company as an inside sales company a lot of this virtual selling comes very natural to us doesn't it it's it's something we've done for years yeah I mean I think you're you're, you're right in in saying that we we just kind of packaged this program calling it virtual selling skills because that's where sort of where everybody's living right now, especially for field sales reps who who've moved from, Hey, I used to just walk in and see my customers. Yeah, right. Now exactly. everything I do is over the phone, especially right. for ma- people who manage their account. But these are pretty much the same advanced skills we've been teaching for people that sell over the phone for the last 25 years, which is where we started. Right. We started with the most difficult challenges. How do you prospect and sell over the phone? And so we've easily been able to just, shift the program to help field reps make that same shift. So, um, or leap to selling 100% virtually. So, um, I think, I think people will find if there's a need for it, they'll find uh, the program helpful. Yep. Very good. Well, it has been a slice, as I once said, a slice of heaven <laughs> here, uh, spending some time with you, uh, actually the over the last talking. couple of weeks. Right. And, and when part three comes out, maybe we'll get back on and, uh, and do part three on a podcast and make sure. Yeah. People really, part three uh, is about the, the we talked about we, most of what we talked about is prep. You know, we talked yeah. about the framework. We've talked about, you know, how to set the stage in the, in the next part, if you'll have me back. And I know, I know there's a lot of work I have to do to, to earn that, but if you'll have <laughs> me back, we'll talk about the, the seven pro tips of delivering your presentation. Excellent. And that's where you, it's time to sing. And what's the best way to sing? I love it. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. We'll come back in another episode of Ales with Aslan.